on behalf of the Media Ministry of Remnant Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this recording of our Wednesday night worship service. It is our prayer that the anointed message of our leaders will not only bring encouragement to you, but inspire you as well to a greater love and service of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are Remnant. You are Remnant. Kayla and I took over Remnant Student Ministries. Gab was already the worship leader, and uh, she's amazing. She's strong spiritually in the Lord and has an anointing upon her, but God kept giving me one word for her, and it was growth, that, that she's, she's amazing where she is now, but she needs to grow. She needs to grow more, and she needs to, to, to get pushed in areas that she's not used to. So I'm sure if you got invited by her tonight, you've been the first one to be told that she's nervous to preach for her first time, but I know she's going to do great, and I'm, listen, you guys get excited right now in your hearts, because she's about to bring forth a good word, I mean that, a good word, give her a round of applause, all right, amen, all right, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to get into my message, all right. Dear Lord, I just uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity, and I uh, thank you for just placing this message in my heart and uh, just placing it so deeply and just rooting it in my heart, Lord. And I give you all of me, my hands, my voice, and my feet, Lord, and my heart. So you would just speak through me right now, God. Just speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you turn this up just like a tad, please? Okay. All right, so as he said, I would have never thought I would be up here speaking in front of, I don't even know how many people are here, (laughs) but um, I would have never thought that I would be talking in front of people. I'm like the most introverted person ever, and uh, I just want to thank Remnant for getting me out of that, and also God, because he's the one who does the work, but Remnant was the vessel that just um, was there for me to... uh, and giving me the opportunity, but um, I also like to, okay, I'm going to throw some shout-outs here, so. Um, <laughs> I'd also like to thank P. Mike um, for always pushing me and getting me to be here right now um, and always being the example. Uh, and I also like to thank God for giving me the word. So, anyways, but the thing about all of those things that I gave a shout-out for was I had to make a choice to do those things, and I had every single step that I've taken to get to where I am now, I've had to make a choice. And what I want you to understand about making choices is the only place that you will ever go is where you lead yourself. The only place you ever go is where you make the choice to be. Um, I'm the most indecisive person ever. Um, I can barely even make a choice of what I wanna wear to school. Um, but for some reason, Caleb and Ariel think that I should just make the decision of what we should eat for dinner. Um, so I thought I was like hanging back here. Um, but I can never make a choice big or small. It like scares me to death. But the thing about decisions is that we make decisions and choices based on what we want at the time. We make decisions based on our feelings. Since the beginning, they were given a choice. We look at the beginning of the Bible, they were given a choice, and they chose what they want. 
what they wanted at the moment. In the beginning, they were unveiled. They were not covered. But when they chose to eat of the apple, Eve ate of the apple, Adam ate of the apple. Then they went into hiding. And God cried out, how did you know that you were naked? They had no knowledge of good or evil. They had no knowledge. But then once they got the knowledge of good and evil, they went into hiding. They covered themselves and they were ashamed. Since the beginning, we were given a choice. We were given a choice to either reveal or to stay in hiding. Since the beginning, sin entered the world. And since your beginning, sin entered your heart. We were born into a sinful world. Sin is so normal nowadays. Sin is as normal as walking. Sin is as normal as brushing your teeth. And it makes me sick. Sin is such a normality that after one lie comes another and it's like we're addicted to it. And then we're married to it. As soon as that sin entered your heart at the first lie of your life, whatever you've done, a veil was put over your eyes. And the veil ruins your sight. And just like that veil, as soon as sin entered your life, you were confused about the truth. How many people in this world are asking themselves, what is even real? There's no strict set of morals for everyone. It depends on the person. What's right and what's wrong depends on the person. There's no order. But the sin also does another thing. It tempts you to believe that it can sustain you. That it can fulfill you. That it can fill you all the way just because you can see it. Just because you can see that girl. Just because you can see it. Just because you can hold it. Just, just because you can hold the alcohol. Just because you can see it. It's right there for you. You can't see God. How am I supposed to know he's real? But every single time, sin runs out. And every single time, you're left in that deep, dark place. That deep, dark place of desperation where you don't know what to do. That deep, dark place where you're like, where are you, God? I don't think you're real. What am I even supposed to do? But what I'm, not, what I'm talking about tonight is not that. I'm talking about what I want to talk about is not just a relationship, but something more serious, a covenant. If you've ever been to a wedding, you would know that there's a veil placed over every bride in terms of marriage. Now I want to take you back and look at it a little deeper. Um, anyone who is single, anyone who has never been married, anyone who is not married now, that is called their veiled life. They aren't entitled to share anything with anyone. You aren't entitled to tell anyone anything you don't want them to know. You can keep your burdens, your sufferings to yourself. But the bride, in all honesty, also lives veiled before she is married. And even though she could be engaged, she still leaves that little part in her heart. 
just in case it doesn't work out. But how many times have we done that? How many times have we just left a little bit in our heart just in case it doesn't work out with God? Just in case he doesn't provide for me? Just in case his promises that he told me, that he spoke to me, aren't true? Just in case he doesn't heal me, just in case he doesn't give me what I want right now. We live with that little part in our heart for the enemy to creep in. And sooner than we know it, the enemy is occupying our heart. In the veiled life, we live with doubt for the future, doubt in ourselves, and doubt in the other person. The veil is a choice. It's to either reveal or to stay in hiding. In Isaiah 54, 5, if they could put up that first slide. It says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. Right here, the Bible states that the Lord is our husband. The one who made us is our husband. That makes us his bride. In the next verse, Isaiah 62, 5, it says, For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. God constantly refers to us as his bride in the Bible. He doesn't just refer to ladies as his bride, but he refers to the church as his bride. He didn't give of himself for ladies. He gave himself for everyone. The Lord of hosts is our bridegroom, and he is waiting for us eagerly, but also patiently. He also promises us that he will come on a white horse for his bride. The one who is prepared as his bride. Not those who claim to be Christians, but they do everything opposite of the Bible. No one calls anyone their wife unless they have been prepared as one. Our groom is coming for his bride on a white horse, just like every ideal love story. If you have ever heard the song White Horse by Taylor Swift, and consider that a love story, and you don't consider the Bible the ultimate love story. I don't know where you're at right now because it says that he will come on a white horse. The one who is faithful and true will come for us. In all reality, we deal with this one problem. Every single person. We have to overcome this one trial if we ever want to become serious with God. We have a veil over our eyes and haven't met, let God make us his bride. Now I want to talk about the significance of the veil in the ceremony. Why are we veiled and why is the bride veiled? In Exodus 26, Moses is instructed to hang a veil over the Holy of Holies, a.k.a. God's presence. In the Old Covenant, only those, could worthy, only those who are worthy could enter into the tabernacle where God's presence was. Only those who were worthy can enter into this small place 
where God's presence dwelled. There was a separation between our sin and holiness. People weren't allowed to approach God in their sin. But this veil was placed for a reason. The veil was placed because of the power of God's presence compared to our unholiness. And as we were born into sin, just like I told you, and veiled because of it, the devil covered our power. The power that God gives us inside of us. And it's under that veil that our power lies. And not until we are unveiled do we become effective. Do we become effective to, effective to others? This veil is like a barrier that's keeping us from truly experiencing the Lord's power. The veil signifies fear and doubt upon our lives. Two of the most striking reasons I found why the bride is veiled is because the groom wants to make a statement and to keep the, gro the groom from backing out. This is so surprising to me. It was, it was so absurd to me. And um, mostly these things happen in arranged marriages. But what I want to get at tonight is that you were first veiled not so God can look past your impurities, your mistakes, everything you've ever done, and somehow find some little place in his heart to love you. You were first veiled so that God can reveal to you that his love is not skin deep. That his love goes past every single veil that you can put over your eyes, every single covering, every single bit of makeup that you try to keep him from you to keep him out of your life. His love goes past that. And he loves you for your true self that you didn't even reveal to him, to him yet, that he's never even seen. He loved you before you even knew what love was. And he's never going to back out. He's never going to back out of this relationship. Because his love is uncontainable. He wants to show you that there's nothing that can, that can keep you from his love. There's nothing that can separate him from this love. In Matthew 27, 51, it says, The, the veil of the temple was rent. And two, from top to bottom, the earth did quake and the rocks were rent. The verse says that it was torn in two from top to bottom. It doesn't say that it was torn a little bit. It says it was torn from top to bottom. So many times we want to reveal ourselves. And think that just because I revealed my, I can reveal myself and I can stay away from God even though you tasted of his goodness. You've felt his presence before. You know that he's real and you try to deny it. But it says the veil was torn from top to bottom. It can never be sewn up the same way. You can never be revealed the same way and not long for that freedom. That freedom that you felt in the unveiling. We try to reveal ourselves, but there is no reason to live veiled. There is no reason to live veiled because it says the veil of the temple was rent. It was torn in two. 
God gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we can make him our ultimate priority. We go to church and we get on an emotional high. We feel God's presence. And we're like, dang, I feel joyful. <laughs> and then we get into the world and we wonder where God's at. When we make those decisions to be accepted by the world and to, instead of being accepted by God, to be accepted by the world instead of just facing the persecution. We also, all we ever want to say is, I have to fall in love before I can love. When the Bible never says that we have to fall in love to get love. That falling in love feeling is just an emotion. It's an emotional high, and that's what you're getting when you come here and you get high on Jesus. You get an emotional high. I'm so in love with Jesus now, but then we settle for what the world can give us. But when really all we need to do is love Jesus. We need to get to that covenant. We need to stop going to the contract when we really need to agree to the covenant. The world says that marriage is a contract. The world says that you can get married and then you can get divorced. And it's okay. Um, it's okay to give up. But it's not okay to give up. The world says that marriage is a contract, but God wants to make a covenant. A contract only lasts for one period of time. A contract ends. Think of your cell phone bill. It ends in two years or whatever. <laughs> but really, it ends. In the covenant, it lasts on and on. In 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 17, it says, Now if the ministry that brought death was engraved in letters on stone, it came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glory is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious had no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory that, which that lasts? Right here in 2 Corinthians, it's talking about the contract versus the covenant. It's talking about the old covenant that brought death. There is no forgiveness at all. You cannot come into God's presence if you weren't holy, if you weren't right. And it says, if the ministry that brought death was, which was engraved on letters on stone, came with glory, if that came with the same things that this new covenant has, then why do you want to settle for the contract? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? 
How much more glorious is the ministry that brings conviction and not condemnation? Because conviction is only to make us better, to make us right. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory, if what was fading away came with glory, how much more, how much more greater is the glory of that which lasts? In verse 12 it says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But in their minds, they were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. This verse, verse 14, reminds me so much of how we look back at our past. We look back at the contract. We're like, this happened. Um, I broke the contract. Uh, yeah, I did a bunch of bad stuff, so I can't agree to a covenant. But every single time you look back at your past, your mind is made dull. You're put in that deep, dark place again. You're put in that deep, dark place that sin puts you. You're put in a deep, dark place where you don't know what to do. Your mind is made dull. But then it says this. It is because your veil has not been removed. Because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Whenever someone truly turns to the Lord, they are unveiled and they are free. But it's only through Christ that it happens. It doesn't happen through you. It doesn't happen through me. It doesn't happen through any leader praying over you. It is only by the power of God. You wonder sometimes why people who really experience God and who are really loving God, they live for God, they follow God every single day, why they're so happy. Some, pe some people, they're like 7 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, they're like, hello, I love Jesus. <laughs> But really, that's because the Spirit dwells in them. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, patience. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In the Spirit, when the Spirit dwells in you, there is freedom from your bondage. Freedom from that depression. Freedom from everything that you think is taking over you and that you can never overcome. That is through the Lord. Through the Spirit. The Spirit gives you all of these things. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, gentleness, faith, and faithfulness. You can't tell me that you don't want to be all of those things. Even if you're of the world, you still want to be a good person. You still strive to be a good person. You still strive to have peace. But the world will never give you peace. You strive to have joy. But the world will never give you joy. It only gives you happiness, which is an emotion that fades away. It is only through God that we get, that we get the fruit of the Spirit. 
And only when it is truly through Christ do the fruit of the Spirit show. If you don't see joy, peace, patience, kindness in someone's life, then they probably don't have the Spirit dwelling in them. Then you probably shouldn't think that they're, they're a Christian, so maybe I should start looking at Christians bad because they don't have joy, peace, patience, kindness. They're not of Christ. They're of themselves. They have pride. But for the longest time, for the longest time as they lived veiled too, I lived veiled. I struggled with even being real with anyone but myself. I kept everything to myself. I never want to tell anyone about anything. I live veiled. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged you. To go further with today's message or to learn more about Remnant, connect with us online by searching Remnant219 on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are Remnant. You are Remnant.